Hey, this is Anne. I'm the chair of AFP Congress, and I'm with Charitably Speaking, and I am joined by Laura Champion, fundraising strategist at Blakely and chair of the Congress Education Committee. And welcome to this wonderful podcast series. I hope you've been enjoying all the podcasts in the series. So whether you're able to join us at Congress or whether this is your first time meeting us, welcome and sit back, relax. And we hope you enjoyed enough that you consider attending the next Congress in the schedule. We look forward to meeting you and enjoy this show. Hello. Hello. Um, is Donor Perfect in the house? Donor Perfect, hello. Steve? Well, his loss, right? Because he would have the chance to come up and tell you what an amazing product Donor Perfect is. It Are you Steve? Oh. <laughs> All right, guys, there's one table right up at the front. I would say just commit to this session and come right up to the front here. My name's Kimberly, and I'm your session host for today. And I had the most interesting experience at church a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if any of you go to church, but churches in the country always have, like, turkey dinners in, like, before Remembrance Day. And I was at a turkey dinner, and... My stepdaughter's friend is Jamaican, and she has these really super long, probably incredibly expensive extensions. And a man at church, he's about 80 and white, and he reached out and he said, oh, I love your hair. Freaky, right? And I had no idea what to do. I'm sorry. Um, I had no idea what to do. And then I said to her when we got home, I said, Jasmine, that kind of freaked me out. Did that freak you out that that guy just reached across and touched your hair? And he was like, yeah, it really did, but it happens all the time. I said, you know what? I'm sorry. If you're ever with me, I'm going to actually touch that person's hair back. Uh, So uh, I learned a lot at the plenary this morning, and I hope that you did as well. I'd like to thank our sponsor officially. Uh, My name is Kimberly McKenzie, and it's my pleasure to be your host today. We have a couple of housekeeping comments. Uh, Wi-Fi, has everybody got Wi-Fi? Don't use your data. We've got a sponsor for Wi-Fi. This is it, are you ready? It's CCS Fundraising. That's all you have to remember. That's the network and that's the password. So it's CCS Fundraising. If you're on social media, sorry? I think so. That's how it's written down. Capital C, capital C, capital S, capital F, fundraising, lowercase. Uh, Okay, and also I am here to tell you about the photo booth. Professional headshots are actually a really good thing to have. So you're never going to get them for 20 bucks, so go get a $20 headshot. And download the app. How many of you have done that? It's getting easier and easier to download the app. So download the conference app, and if you have a hard time, come and talk to me, and we'll work that out. Now, the lady behind me, Tammy Zonker, um, Tammy is recognized as one of America's top 25 fundraising experts. Uh, There's one chair up here. They'll sort themselves out. Uh, Tammy is an inspiring international speaker. Have any of you heard Tammy speak before? And for how many of you is it your very first time? Clap, first time. All right, so we're in for a treat. Okay, Um, so Tammy has trained, coached, led nonprofit teams to raise more than $450 million, including a single gift of $27.1 million. Uh, She moved to Detroit in 2008. Detroit, imagine fundraising in Detroit. 
uh, determined to fundraise in the most challenging economy in the United States and has turned those experiences into strategies, tools, processes for skyrocketing fundraising results into the economy. And she's here to share with us all of everything that she's learned. And what you may not also know about Detroit is there's this really cool art project there called the Heidelberg Project. And if you're ever there, I recommend you go down, have a wander. It's actually very moving and inspiring, especially if like many fundraisers, you're curious about people. The other thing that you may not know and isn't in Tammy's bio is that she's the most gracious fundraiser I know. And a wonderful dinner companion. So if you ever have a chance, uh, please find some time to spend alone with Tammy, and I'll turn it over to you. Thanks, wonderful. Tammy. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you so much, and thank you all for choosing this session on how to create a powerful story tour. So a story tour is a tool that you will have by the end of this session that you can take back home that will really help you Capture the hearts and minds of people in your community, whether those are brand new donors or potential donors, people who haven't heard about your organization yet, or maybe who have a misperception about what you do and who you are and why it matters. It's also a great donor retention tool to affirm and reaffirm what you do and why it matters and how your existing donors are really changing the world, your community, changing lives um, through your nonprofit organization. So it's also an amazing tool for empowering volunteers and board members to spread the word. So this is a workshop, meaning in the next 90 minutes or so, you're going to actually do a lot of work. You're going to tell some stories. And at each of your place settings, uh, I've handed out this story touring, storytelling placemat. There are a hundred of them in the room. I want you to write all over yours. Even if you're that person who likes to keep things nice and tidy and write on a separate piece of paper, you know who you are. Just know I have this as a fillable PDF. I'm happy to send to anyone electronically if you want to continue to work on this when you get back home. But for today, I want you to use this template, this tool, and write all over it all your great ideas. Is there anyone who does not have a template in front of them? There's a couple. Is there anyone in the room who has a spare at their table? Oh, here's some spares right over here. Okay, perfect. There's a few more. I think there was a hand in the back. And again, I'll make this complete deck as well as that handout available. So at the end of the session, grab one of my cards or give me yours or email me. My contact information will be on the screen. Okay, so ready to work? Yes. Yes. Okay. So this whole, pro this whole story touring premise is really built on the rule of three, which is, of course, a great marketing principle. And that is that concepts or ideas presented in threes are inherently more interesting, more enjoyable, and more memorable. And that's the key. When people come to learn about your organization or you're out there in the community telling your stories and taking people through even a visual tour, or a virtual tour, rather, we want it to be interesting and memorable, right? And so powerful. So here we go. There are three stories that we're going to be telling today. The first is your personal story. So as we think about this inside the context of a tour, your personal story is everything. It is how we build trust. 
It's how we become connected. And it is a relationship accelerator. So this morning we're going to work on telling your own personal story of why you work for the organization you work for. We're also going to be talking about how to tell your organization's story. More and more when I work with organizations and I will meet with board members and I'll ask them, tell me what your organization does. If I ask 20 people, I get 20 different versions. And what's especially kind of alarming is the initial response is, uh, because they haven't really practiced how to talk about your work, right? Or you do so much, they're thinking, where do I begin? So this tool is a tool that you can take back to them at a board retreat, in a board meeting, and actually help and empower them to be succinct, clear, simple, human in how they talk about your work. So that's the second story we're going to talk about, your organization's story. And then the third story that we're going to work on this morning is the story of those you serve. Picking an individual, a family, one of the, you know, the consumers or the uh, beneficiaries of your work. And we're going to craft their story in a very powerful way. And again, I've got tools for you to help do that. Now, to tell this story and to take you through this exercise of creating a story tour and sharing your personal story, your organization's story, and the story of those you serve, I'm going to use a case study from an organization that is very near and dear to my heart, and that is the Children's Center in Detroit. So in addition to my work as a fundraising trainer and coach at Fundraising Transformed, I have the privilege of being the chief philanthropy officer at the Children's Center. So those of you who are direct fundraisers, like you're my people. I feel you. I fundraise day in and day out. And I want to give you a little context of the Children's Center. So the Children's Center has been around for actually 90 years now. And they serve about 7,500 children and families, children who have experienced unimaginable trauma, whether they've experienced abuse and neglect, or perhaps they were born with a mental health issue or a behavioral health issue, and it's only compounded by the fact that they live in poverty. So I'm going to be talking about that organization in the framework of the stories and in the framework of the tour. Now, having said that, we're going to be talking about child sex abuse at times. It's part of the story. So if that's a trigger for you, do what you need to do to be well, right? So we're going to talk about real life here. Everybody okay? Everybody on board with that? Say yes if you're on board. Yes. All right. We all do real work in the real world, right? So here we go. So the story tour at the Children's Center is one hour. Uh, It's free. We have over 700 people a year come through this tour. People who are just learning about us, who are referred by board members or others. People who have been giving and want to come see firsthand the impact that their life, that their um, contributions are making in the lives of children and families, and I have a short video. It's just a four-minute slice of the full one-hour tour, just to give you a sense of the emotional impact uh, that we are seeking to achieve. So here goes. Our mission here at the Children's Center is to help children and families shape their own futures. So this is the wishing tree. So children who are in our therapy programs oftentimes will will make wishes. 
I wish to see my mom in heaven. Uh, I wish my family would get along someday. Things are possible. Their future can be different. What, what did you see? I wish I could go home to my family. Yeah. This piece of art was done by a young man who has Asperger's syndrome, which is a very high-functioning version of um, autism on the autism spectrum. And this particular painting demonstrates what he says, all the feelings that he has inside that he wishes other people would understand. So Sabin, this is our wall of masks. And I, this art project was so powerful. This mask, I think, is very, very humbling. It's just simply painted black with, uh, brown rather, with black tears. I was told that the story of that is it was a young boy who had been abandoned by his parents, lived with his grandmother, and because of his behavior, when he would come home from school, he was actually uh, confined to the basement, an unfinished basement, because he was thought to be bad. But in truth, he just had some behavioral issues that we actually helped that family come through. This was actually created as a part of our diversity fair. Oftentimes our kids see themselves made up of a lot of things, a lot of ethnicities, they see themselves made up of mom and dad, they see themselves made up of good and bad. And our goal is to have them celebrate everything that they are. And so you can see that this is a giraffe a horse, it's been completely bedazzled, and it's just a beautiful expression um, that our kids put together. This client wrote, my name is Freddie and I'm 28 years old. I first came to the Children's Center when I was seven. Everyone thought I was retarded because I didn't speak. What they didn't know is that my drug-addicted mother had beaten me every day of my life for as long as I could remember. She would leave me and my sister locked in the closet for hours, sometimes days. Being locked in a closet is something you never forget. It's like being locked away from the world. We were taken to my grandmother's house. She was mean. She would heat up a spoon on the stove until it was cherry red and then burn me all over my body for no reason. I never ate at the table with the other kids or even on a plate. She would put newspaper on the floor with scraps of food for me to eat like a dog. That lasted about a year until my teacher noticed a burn mark on my neck and reported it. That's when I met Butch Thornton at the Children's Center Foster Care Program. He became my mentor, my friend. He told me it wasn't my fault. The Children's Center helped me to open up, to heal, to love, and to forgive. I eventually earned my high school diploma and pursued a career in law enforcement to help protect other children. You see, mine is just one story. There are thousands of kids still out there, locked in closets, eating off the floor, fighting for their lives, thinking it's their fault, and desperately wanting to be loved. They need the Children's Center. So that's really what we do. You know, we help kids have a healthy start or heal the hurt like Freddie's hurt and have a healthy, loving home. All right, so this is what I want for you. I want you telling stories that really tell the truth about the work that you're doing, that move people, that inspire people. Because the truth is, nothing happens until somebody feels something, right? And sometimes, with our donors, our prospective donors, we want to kind of put out some sanitized version, a polite version of what we do. 
when the truth is, if they don't understand the darkness of the beginning before we can help families or children or whatever your work is, they won't appreciate or feel the true joy, the maximum joy of what's possible through their contributions, right? So we've got to paint the dark before for them to experience the sweet joy and that satisfaction of giving. All right, so this is just a snippet of of what I'm talking about. So when people show up at your tour, whether their friend invited them or it's a new board member orientation or a new volunteer orientation and you've chosen to incorporate your tour, they kind of show up thinking, first of all, what do they want from me, right? Are they going to ask me for money? Are they trying to recruit me as a volunteer? Well, at the volunteer orientation, they, yes, they are. Um, so what do they want? And then the other questions really are so brilliantly and beautifully articulated by Tom Ahern. How many of us are Tom Ahern friends and yeah, fans, right? So he wrote this amazing book on the case for support. And he identified, honestly, like what donors need to know, what people need to know to support you. And those questions are, what does your organization do? What difference do you make? Why are you the organization to do this work? Why not the organization down the block, right? Why not that other organization that seems to have a similar mission? So what do you do? Why does it matter? Why are you the one to solve this issue? And why is the issue important now? So as you craft your story tour, those are the questions that you need to answer through the information that you're sharing, through the stories that you're telling. Make sense? And imagine all of your staff. Imagine all of your board. Imagine even your steer development and communications people speaking from that same voice, right? That same message map, the power of that. So it really does all begin with why you do this work. How many of you are Simon Sinek, start with why fans? Yeah, if you haven't heard of Simon, go to YouTube and Google Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, start with why. He wrote a beautiful book and has a great TED Talk uh, on start with why, why that's important and what it does in terms of accelerating trust and relationships. So as the good example, I thought perhaps I would tell you why I do this work. Um, So I I do this work at the Children's Center and in the nonprofit sector because, unfortunately, I was one of those kids that grew up in a home that was filled with domestic violence and alcoholism and child sex abuse. And they say you don't remember days, but you remember moments. And for me, one of those moments was late one night. I was nine years old, on the sofa with my father, and bad things were happening. And my mom walked in and she saw. And I remember in that moment being so scared and so humiliated, even at nine. But for me, the more traumatic and lasting uh, moment was the next morning when I got up and I walked into the kitchen where my three brothers were sitting at the kitchen table eating cereal. I sat down and my mom walked in behind me and she told my brothers what she saw And she asked me why I let him do that. And in that moment, I felt profoundly alone. Like, wow, like I am going to have to protect myself, take care of myself, do what I have to do until I can grow up and then I'll be safe. 
There's a quote that I love that's really sourced my whole career, really my whole life. And that quote is that no one can go back and make a brand new start, but anyone can start now and make a brand new ending. And isn't that what we do in this sector? We help create brand new endings for people, for families, for communities, for our environment, for animals, for seniors. <laughs> like the, our missions are so wide, but at the end of the day, we're creating brand new endings, brighter futures. And I love that. So I would ask you to consider, why do you do this work? Now, some of you may already know, like you've done the deep work, you've considered what it is about this sector that attracts you or your mission. I would love to hear from you. Just a couple shares. Who would be willing? And being willing is different than who would want to, <laughs> right? And here's what I'll say. Let me say a couple things before I um, ask you to share. The first thing is, when you talk about what's your why, I want you to stay kind of in this, this sweet spot between your safety zone, but out of your comfort zone, right? Because you're never going to be comfortable sharing something so personal. But I want you to be safe. Like you have to be in a place where it's empowering for you and it's part of your purpose. Now, having said that too, I am very hopeful and I recognize that not everyone in the room has had a traumatic experience that inspired your work in this sector, right? In fact, I hope most of you haven't. I know the statistics, but let me say, it doesn't have to be something that's traumatic. I worked with this amazing woman, her name is Judy, and she founded a literacy organization. And when I talked with her and worked with her, she said, you know, Tammy, I had great parents. I had a great family. I did well in school. I've just been so very blessed. So I don't really have a sad story. And I asked, well, what is it about literacy? What is it about love of books? Like, when did that start for you? And she said, oh, I've always loved books. I've always loved reading. She said, but you know, in the second grade, my best friend Sally, Sally had a really hard time reading. In fact, you know when the teacher would have, you would all as a class open up a book and they would, you would take turns reading aloud? When it got to Sally, Sally struggled and she was like the other kids would laugh when she stuttered or when she couldn't sound out a word and it was just heartbreaking. Like my heart, my, like the empathy was off the charts. My heart would break for her. And so... Sally and I would go under the slide at recess and we would read together and I would work with her. And that's why I love literacy. That's why I founded this organization to help all the Sallys. So again, it could be something that inspired you to get into your work. It doesn't have to be your personal pain or, or, or uh, trauma. All right, there's the context. Would you be willing? All right, so first a big round of applause for the first person willing to share. Would you share your name? I'll stand. And your organization, yeah. too? Uh, my name is Mark Inglis. I work for the Cape Breton Regional Hospital Foundation. Fortunately, a lot of you probably don't know where Cape Breton is, but I sat at a table with three people who've been there in the last year, and I was really excited. <laughs> uh, we're a regional hospital foundation, and we uh, raise money to strengthen health care for our community. Um, this might not be the reason why I got into this work, but it's a reason why I'm passionate about it. On April 18th of 1995, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, the same day that my grandmother passed away of breast cancer. And my mom had to travel four and a half hours to Halifax, which is uh, in our province, for radiation treatment and 
never told my brother and I that she was sick with cancer till about five years later. I did, wasn't sure how to tell us, didn't know how to get around to kind of making us aware of that. Um, 19 years later to the date, uh, August 18th of 2014, she was diagnosed a second time with breast cancer and all of her treatment was at home in Cape Breton. Uh, when she had her, her surgery, uh, her double mastectomy, I slept in the bed next to her that night, stayed in the hospital with her, and that cancer center exists because donors in our community gave back. So for me, it's, it's very you know, important for me to know that that part of our hospital wouldn't exist in our community for the 1,951 people who were diagnosed in our community last year if it wasn't for the, the donors. So that's part of my why. That's beautiful. So hold on to that. Yep. Can we work together on that a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. Okay, so thank you. You're welcome. Amazing. So I'm just thinking of you as a son, sleeping next to your mom in that bed, or, or was it the moment that she finally, after five years, told you? Oh, yeah, she, yeah after five years. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there's a moment. See, when you're sharing that personal why, there's typically like a deeply emotional moment. And you, you highlighted your grandmother, that your grandmother passed from breast cancer the same day your mother was diagnosed. Like those were moments, but they were really up here. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to share a little bit, like do a little bit of a deep dive in, like, was it a phone call? Was it, like, a face-to-face? Like, what is your moment? And would you kind of take us there? Like, we could crawl in your skin and be you for that, those 10 seconds? Come on in. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it was the... Uh, I was actually here in Toronto uh, when Mom was diagnosed the second time. And I was staying with a friend, and I remember that call. Um, she had gone for another checkup and was diagnosed a second time. That was the moment that it really hit, um, I think. And that was, what did I say, 2004. Uh, 15, I think. Um, so that was the moment that it was, you know, a lot more impactful because she was telling us, you know, in real time as opposed to five years later. How did it feel? Uh, it was uh, very traumatic. I, I, I didn't know how to react to it because I was here, you know, uh, very far away from home in Nova Scotia and I couldn't be there for her. So you it was felt tough. helpless? I did a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Some other words you felt perhaps? Uh, helpless, um, Triggered, triggered to want to do something about it. Triggered to try to help a little bit more. Am I close enough to this? Um, I and definitely boy, are felt, you? yeah, like you really are helping yeah, a lot more. I, yeah, and I and, and I'm very fortunate. I, I I get to be very proud of the work I do every day. So yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Would Would anyone else be willing to share? Also, oh, right back here. Would you stand and share your name and your organization? Sure. Thank you. Um, my name is Jamie Godfrey from St. John, New Brunswick. I've, I'm at the Bobby's Hospice. I have only been in um, charity organization for, or with them for a month and a half. So I'm super new. So this is all great learning experiences. Why I work for the hospice. Um, I grew up in a home where I had a mother and a grandmother. Uh, My mother was ill with Crohn's disease and was unable to do a whole lot with me. My grandmother was my everything. So she did have a long life, but she got sick. She took a fall and ended up at at Bobby's Hospice. So as you can imagine, uh, any of us going through where a loved one is passing, and we all know it, it wasn't easy. 
So my grandmother, my, my whole family um, were there day in and day out um, at, at the hospice with my grandmother. The staff there was incredible. They listened to us. They allowed us share our stories with them about my grandmother. They gave us time and patience and everything that they had. Now, um, the day, a day goes by, and everybody says that my grandmother is ready to go. So they call the family in. Unfortunately, I have twins, twin boys, and at the time, I couldn't leave them. My heart sank. I wanted to be there with my grandmother. But believe it or not, she hung on. It wasn't until the next day when I was able to make it, my mom, who was still with me, and my grandmother, we get into the room, we hold her hand, we were there with her for about an hour, and she let go. We have an 11-person family, and she let go when I, and myself, and my mother, who lived with her for the last 15 years, were there. It was like she waited for us. So, I came from a corporate world prior to this, and I thought, you know what? When I had an opportunity to work at that organization, it was a no-brainer. I was like, I want to do there. And every day I walk in, I'm closer to my grandmother. That's it. All right. So everyone has a why. I want you to, on your template, jot down your why. I want you to find your moment. And then I want you to connect it back to your organization. All right, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to do that because this is going to be how you welcome people on your story tour. Hi, nice to meet you. Here's my heart. All right, so go ahead, take a couple minutes and jot down your why. If you get stuck, just raise your hand and we'll happily come and coach you. All right, complete that thought. All right, if I can have your attention back up front, great work on your, working on your why, why you do this work, amazing. Uh, some of the stories that I heard, I literally got goosebumps. So that's a good indicator. So next we want to talk about your organization, your organization's story. So we want to be able to tell succinctly what you do and why it matters in the most clear, simple, and human words we can find. So this may mean not reciting your mission statement, right? But what is it that you do? In fact, I just read an article. I can't place it right now. Who wrote it? What publication? But it said, if you could only share what your organization does in a tweet, 140 characters, what would you say? So at the Children's Center, we took on that challenge, actually, um, a couple campaigns ago. And we came up with the hashtag, Heal Children, Heal Detroit. And it resonated with people, right? Four words. So on this next section of your template, at the very top, I want you to kind of think about, and in a moment, jot down what you do, why it, why it matters, in the most succinct manner possible. Who feels really good, good enough that they would be willing to share what your organization does in clear, simple, human words? Oh, right back here. 
And if you'll share your name and the name of your organization. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I work with the College of Family Physicians of Canada. And family doctors, um, a, a lot of other um, specialists, look after uh, a disease area or a part of the body uh, that they're focused on. Family doctors um, are about the whole body, the whole person in the context of their families, and the context, whatever family is defined as to, to that individual, um, in the context of their communities, um, and in the context of, of, of care. And um, one of the things I like to say is family doctors might be the ones that brought you into this world and they may be holding your hand when you leave it. And we want to be sure they are equipped with the best research and education so that they can keep doing that and doing that better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Yeah. I think what stood out to me is family doctors are the ones that brought you into this world, and they may be there when you leave this world. And we want to make certain that in between, you get the absolute best care possible. They're equipped to give you the best care possible. Yeah, very succinct. Three sentences. And not run-on sentences. No fair with the long run-on sentences and lots of copies, uh, commas. Yeah, very good. Is there anyone else who would be willing to share? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. So your name and the name of your organization. Hi, my name is Elise Jaffrey. I'm with the Children's Aid Foundation of Canada. And I'm actually going to borrow from one of the young people who we have worked with. So similar to the Children's um, Center, we work with youth and children who have gone through traumatic experiences in the welfare system. So recently at one of our events, uh, a young man who we've worked with, and he's doing really well now, he said that the state becomes their parent, but the foundation is like our aunts and uncles. And I don't know, that really stuck with me because um, it summarizes really well the kind of work we do, which is providing supports with education and with you know being the best you can um, when you're transitioning out of welfare or even like enrichment opportunities so you can thrive like your peers. So um, in a concise statement, I like that. We're like the aunts and uncles. Yeah, I love that. Very good. All right. So I want each of you to kind of write down on your template in a clear, simple, human kind of way, briefly, what you do. What does your organization do? All right, a few of you are still writing, but here's what I want you to do. Those of you who are in rounds, these are rounds of five, and for those of you who are in the theater style, seating in the back, if you would just turn maybe in groups of two or three, what I want you to do is very quickly, like one minute each, no kidding, uh, share with those at your table what your organization does in clear, simple, human uh, terms. And then what we're going to do is have a few of you nominate someone at, at your table, or even courageously say, uh, I'm the one I want to share. Like, I've been working on this now that I've written it. I see a little place to take it. And again, at the tables, you can coach each other. Like, oh, I loved that part, or this was a little distracting for me. Okay, so again, instructions. I'm going to give you about a minute each. This is a five-minute total exercise um, to share what you do in clear, simple, compelling terms. And I will time you and tell you when to switch so that we don't go over, all right? So, cl everybody clear on instructions? Yes? 
All right, first person, begin. All right, first person, stop. Second person, begin. Overachievers. <laughs> All right, next person. Like a drill, you did it all. Yeah. Table of overachievers. All right, so you could share why you do this work. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, do it, do it, do it. Build that muscle. All right, next person, if you haven't already made it around. All right, may I have your attention back up front. Is there anyone who did not get to share what your organization does? Two more people? All right, we're going to take just a few more seconds. All right, go ahead. If your table is already shared, go feel free to share why you do this work. Bonus points. I'm going to move us along if I can have your attention back up front. Is there anyone who's, who's really, really proud of what they've done so far? Anyone who would be willing to share? All right, so we have a volunteer, Emily. So if I can have your attention, we want Emily to be able to share. Emily, will you share your, the name of your organization and why, what you do? Hi, everyone. I'm Emily, and I'm from Science North. We're based out of Sudbury, Ontario. So... What we do is we make science, technology, engineering, math fun, exciting, inclusive, and accessible to all of Northern Ontario, whether it's east, west, or northern and southern parts of Northern Ontario. Beautiful. Thank you. Clear, simple, human, right? Fun is very human. All right, excellent. So now we're going to move on to the next part of our story touring map, which is to really talk about the program areas of our work. Like, seriously, what do we do? How do we do this? How do we create, make science and mathematics fun and accessible to everyone? How do we do that? So what we're talking about on the, on the story map now is this middle section, why it matters, right? And you can see three particular columns. So again, playing off the power of three... There are three approaches to defining these mission areas. So regardless of whether you have one program or 100 programs, we want you to be able to succinctly put it into three service domains. So there are three approaches to that. The first is what I like to call the progressive need. So if you're in senior care, it may be the progression is service area one, independent living. Service area two, assisted living. And service area three, nursing care. Or um, it could be hospice, right? So the, pro the, the progression of your services. So there is an interconnectedness, there's a progression. How many of you think, well, they are, we kind of have a progression? Show of hands. Okay, a few of you have a, a natural progression. The second way you can identify your mission areas is by what I call a service domain. So meaning you could categorize your programs into three areas. They can be interrelated, but they don't have to be. So for example, at the Children's Center, when we talk about our 22 evidence-based therapeutic programs, 
right? And I'm stripping it of all the jargon. We talk about them as a healthy start. Healing the hurt and a safe home. And that describes how we do, what we do with children and families who might be vulnerable. You know, the prevention work, the teenage pregnancy work, um, the work with what we do with children who uh, are in the Head Start Academy, right? Early learning to make certain that they get the best possible start in life. The second area, which unfortunately is the majority of what we do, is healing the hurt. Trauma has occurred. Mental health or behavioral health issue has been diagnosed. And we've determined what level of poverty or what are some of the environmental uh, challenges that this family is facing so we can bring together a solution. And then the third area is our foster care, adoption, and independent living. And we call that safe home, right? So framing it up into three service domains that are pretty timeless. So, for example, we just added therapeutic foster care. We don't have to reimagine the three service domains. It fits nicely under those, those, the three that have already been defined. Make sense? Now, this could be a good portion of you as well. How many of you see like, oh, yeah, our program could be described in those three ways? Hands, yeah, more hands. And then the third way, the third approach to defining your three, one of your three mission areas is what I call the organizational philosophy. So as an example, when I, uh, I work with some Meals on Wheels organizations, and for them, uh, their three service domains are nourish the body, enrich the spirit, because they're, de- they're delivering more than just a meal to the homebound, right? It's that word of encouragement. It's laying eyes on a homebound person to say, yes, they're safe. And for some people, it's the only uh, person who comes to their door, or the only person that calls them on, a, on a, any given day. So nourish the body, enrich the spirit, strengthen the community. It is an organizational philosophy, even though they technically only do one thing, and that is deliver food to the homebound. How many of you resonate with that approach? Okay, good. So I want to talk with someone like, uh, is there anyone who's like, oh, I know what ours would be, which approach we would take and how I would describe it? Yes. All right. So we're going to hear from you. Thank you. Would you share your name and your organization? So I'm Alicia. I work for the ALS Society of Canada here in Toronto. And what we do is um, we support people and families who are living with ALS, which is a terminal disease with no effective treatments and no cure, whereby you become paralyzed um, progressively over time. And so our organization is there to provide one-on-one support and equipment to people who are going through the ALS journey so that they're not alone um, throughout the whole journey and also to uh, fund the national research program so that there is uh, hope for tomorrow as well. And then the third uh, thing that we do is we advocate provincially and locally because we have no government funding um, so that donors aren't the only ones responsible for funding this equipment um, so that people have the necessary tools they need to remain independent as long as possible. Perfect. So again, just as a soundbite then, the first area is? Community-based support. Support. Yeah, research. Research. Advocacy. advocacy. Perfect. All right, well done. Thank you, thank you. All right, so is there anyone who's like, I cannot figure mine out? Most of you are thinking, like, just give me a minute to figure it out. All right, so I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Think through which domain. And, I mean, honestly, there 
is rarely a wrong choice. It's really about how you choose to communicate it. Some are just more obvious than others. So go ahead, select a domain, and then craft your three areas. It looks like most of you are in the third column now, so go ahead and complete that thought. And then I'd like to hear from someone. All right, who's feeling really good about your service domains? Anyone? Oh, perfect. All right, share your name, the name of your organization, kind of that brief what to stand. If you, if you, it's your choice if you want to stand. I'd like to. Oh. <laughs> All right, this is what I'm getting into. Okay. Um, I'm Laura, and I work at Evergreen, and uh, this is actually a very timely um, exercise because I was just saying to um, the lovely people at my table that I was like, I don't know how to describe our organization and what we do, and now I have something, which is Yay! really good. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so I, this is actually something that I've been trying to do. I've only been in my organization for about a month, and I'm the very first stewardship person ever, so I have a lot of work ahead of me. Um, and I was trying to think of like what are the three sort of buckets of what we do, and so service domain I think is sort of where we would fall. So I broke it down into sort of um, one being like the next generation. So some of the work that we do is around um, camps, but then also um, even like gardens and greening play spaces at schools and things like that. Um, and then the next section would be sort of sustainability. So beyond those projects, looking at cities and how can we create sustainability. And then the, th the third bucket, or I guess domain, service domain, is innovation. So looking into the future, what is the future in placemaking and in cities and um, working to sort of be sort of first in class with those things and like disrupting. Yeah, disruptive. I love it. All right. So oh. education, sustainability, yeah. and then... Innovation. Innovation. Mm -hmm. All right, good. And so, perfect. Thank you. Thanks. Good job. <clears throat> so, as so many of you began to write, and as you began to explain, then we would build out some of the supporting facts, right, that supported that. In fact, we would share um, some facts. We would share the need, like why is that important, and what are we aiming to achieve here in our community, and then we would tell a story for each of those. So I want you to think about those service domains. Those would actually become stops on your tour, right? So imagine you're doing this story tour, and it's welcoming people in and taking them on the, the journey of your organization from the why you do this, you personally, to what you do and why it matters, to how you do it in these three key areas and then reinforcing it with the kind of the truth bombs, right, as well as the stories. So, for example, if you take the healing the hurt uh, stop on the Children's Center tour, we would talk about the fact that one in four girls and one in six boys experience sexual abuse and that it knows no socioeconomic uh, limits, right? We would talk about that, and then we might talk about, right now, we're only able to serve X number of, of children or families in this area, and our goal is to do this. So it's not our needs, like we need a computer lab, or we need, you know, a new training room, or we need 
more money. It's really about what the community need is and how we're working to fill it. And then we would tell a story. All right, does that make sense? So you're framing up your tour, how you would actually pull this off. <clears throat> so then we get into like the grand finale. So whether you're telling a story at each of those stops, which is really what I recommend, or you're telling a story, uh, kind of that finale story at the very end. And this can be told a number of different ways. You can like actually tell the story, speak the story. You could show a video. You could have a testimonial there. There are so many ways that you can share the story. So that's what we're going to dig into next. So I'll tell you a story. And it's the story of Kenita. So when I first when I first came to the Children's Center, I really wanted to learn more about the programs, like really do a deep dive into the programs. And so I would often just ask one of the clinicians, can I follow along? Can I join you? And so this particular night, I went with one of our clinicians who was teaching a teenage parenting class at a special Detroit public school that, that focuses exclusively on teenage mothers. It's Catherine Ferguson High School. And so... <clears throat> Uh, What makes Catherine Ferguson High School very special is that not only uh, do they invite partners to come in and teach uh, classes, wellness, they have WIC, um, women, infant, and child, like diaper and um, formula distributions there, but they also have on-site childcare because we know that a lot of times these young moms will drop out of school simply because of the childcare issues. And so when I walked into this teenage parenting class, I was sitting there with the clinician, and in came Kanita. She was strolling. She had one baby on her hip and a stroller with another little baby. And the smallest baby had a bottle filled with Mountain Dew. I was like, oh, okay, let's start there, right? And Kanita didn't know. I mean, she wanted to be the best mom possible. And so she's like, oh, tell tell me, help me. And so when Kanita came to class, like she came to class religiously. She wanted to be the best mommy ever, and she was like this sponge, and she would apply every single thing she learned. She got really, really close to the clinician or the therapist that was leading that class, so close, in fact, that she disclosed that her, both of her children were the result of her stepfather molesting her. So, of course, we got Child Protective Services involved. Uh, Kanita was removed from that home along with her two children, as well as her other siblings. And she was immediately put into foster care. They all were, because she was under 18. So now think about our service domains, right? This is a commercial break here from the story. Think about, so she is actually benefiting from all three of the service domains that we talked about. Healthy Start, because she's a teenage mom, making certain that her girls, Destiny, uh, I'm sorry, Harmony and Liberty, Harmony and Liberty, were getting the best start in life possible, despite the fact that they were born into some challenging uh, situation. Uh, Then healing the hurt, because she has to overcome the trauma of sexual abuse, and then safe home, because she is now a ward of the state. She's a foster child, as well as her children are foster children. So back to the story. So she disclosed, we got law enforcement involved, they were all removed from the home, and she begins getting these expanded uh, services. And she flourished. I mean, I, she, she, again, went to every living skill class. She, she was challenged getting up in the morning. That was her big challenge. And so it was actually her foster care worker who would call her and say, 7 a.m., 
I want to hear those feet on the floor. You got to get up. You got to get those babies and yourself to the bus stop. Public transportation, because Detroit Public Schools doesn't have school buses. You need to get on the bus in order to get to school on time, get the kids into daycare, and get into class. Now go, go. Um, so Kenita just thrived. In fact, she stood up at one of our fundraising events, told her her whole story, and announced for the first time that she had been accepted at seven different Michigan universities. And she said, you know what kept me going? Um, She said, first of all, the grace of God. Um, Secondly, the Children's Center. But mostly, the fact that I knew if I made something out of myself, my girls would want to make something out of themselves. And that's why I kept going. So that's how I would, I often tell Kenita's story. I want to show you how Kenita uh, tells her story herself. It's hard having a two and three year old child, but when it comes to the end of the day, I think of if I make something out of myself, then they will want to make something out of themselves. So when I first told my mother what was happening, she didn't believe me. She put me out. I was getting molested by my stepfather. We did investigations because I got pregnant by him. So when I got pregnant with my first daughter, I had her. And like everybody in my family was asking me, like, who's the father? Because I didn't leave the house. And I'm like, if you already know, then you shouldn't be asking. When I finally did tell again, I was already pregnant with my second child, which is Harmony. So it took him to jail, and they took all of my mother's kids out of the home and placed all of us in foster care. It messed me up because I felt like my mother should protect, should have protected me because being a mother, that's what you do. So it made me distance and isolate myself from my whole family. I didn't want to have anything to do with them because they didn't protect me and I felt like they didn't love me. And I love my kids no matter who they're by. I wouldn't change that they're my kids. But if I could change the way they got here, I would. But I love them regardless. And in a moment they can choose to walk away love them anyway. The Children's Center helps me out a lot. We have life skill classes that I enjoy, all of the workshops, so I like the Children's Center. They help me get a job, actually. They just make me not depend on anybody to do anything for me. I can do it by myself. Like, I feel good. I actually feel good getting up in the morning and go to the bus stop with my kids. It just helps me be a better person, a more independent person. You can pour your soul out singing a song you believe in. I want to be free. I never was free. I was never, I just never had the time to ever be a child. And I'm like, I want to name my daughter something that symbolizes that. So I named her Liberty. Harmony name came about because I'm like, my soul is singing to be free. So I was singing to be free. So I named Harmony Harmony. That's where I got the name. Singing anyway. I pray that they have the best mother ever. I love them with all my heart. And I will never, ever, ever turn my back on them, no matter what they do to me. I just want them to know that I'm here. Even if the whole world's let them down, I'm here, because I'm mommy. That's all I want them to know. Powerful, right? Amazing. So we repurposed her story for a follow-on year-end campaign. And I want you to see how we used animation as another way, a different way to tell the story. (coughs) 
My stepfather molested me for years. My mom didn't believe me. He got me pregnant again one year later. My mom was angry with me. She blamed me for my stepfather being sent to prison. She kept yelling, who gonna pay my bills now? She kicked me and my babies out of the house. My relatives turned me away too. They liked my stepfather and they knew what he was doing. No one wanted anything to do with me or my babies. I felt hopeless, ashamed, and unloved. Then someone told me about the children's center. I took my babies there and they said they could help us. It was the happiest day of my life. I knew right then we were gonna be okay. They helped me overcome the trauma, taught me how to feed my babies the right way, helped me get back into school and found me a tutor. They even taught me how to budget my money and pay bills. With a part-time job, I graduated from Katherine Ferguson High School. The Children's Center then helped me apply to several universities. I was accepted by seven. I'm now pursuing a degree in criminal justice so that I can fight for the rights of children someday. Okay, <clears throat> so what I want you to see out of that is I want you to begin thinking outside the box or further outside the box when it comes to telling your stories, right? So verbally telling stories, using testimonial videos, which I'm sure you all do all of the above. Animation is another way you can do that pretty inexpensively, right? Now, this was actually part of a year-end appeal, but if you take the giving page or the call to action to give out of the... Um, out of the animation, end it early, <clears throat> you can actually use that animation in your tour. So, right, so it's really about looking at what resources and tools do you already have that you can repurpose and leverage inside your story tour. Does that make sense? I don't want you reinventing the wheel. So, for example, Kanita was someone that was a live testimonial at an event, and we did a video and an animation. So again, repurposing those stories and using them strategically. If you flip over your placemat, you'll see on the back a 10-point storytelling template. <clears throat> now, some of you are already masters at telling stories, but this could help you get started or get started um, taking you know, a different view of how you tell stories. So let's just kind of walk through this. So first, meet first name. Now, if you work with issues that are highly confidential, you can say, I want to tell you about Kanita, or we'll call her Kanita, right? So that you're implying that this is not her real name. We're respecting her privacy. <clears throat> then, secondly, describe her circumstances. I mean, what she said herself was, I felt hopeless, ashamed, and unloved, Right, so you want to share those circumstances, the feelings, maybe how you laid eyes on them. So when I first met Kanita, she had a baby on her hip and one in the stroller drinking Mountain Dew. Right, so make that imagery really come to life for people. At its worst, 
So you want to kind of take them to that darker place, right, at its worst, or them one night. Then, and you can even say the next part is really hard for me to tell you. So kind of framing it up, and that's where you share, like, the need, the real need for that particular person, what was happening. And that's when, so in the, you know, the Kanita story, it was when she disclosed that both her children were the result of her stepfather molesting her. So Child Protective Services stepped in, and then everything changed. At first, right, so at first she was scared. In fact, Kanita, you know, she's not a traditional foster care placement because she has two children. She was a great placement for our independent living program where we put her into affordable housing, and we then began to work with her on how to create a budget, how to create a schedule. We helped her apply to colleges, fill out the FAFSA forms in the U.S. That's the financial, the federal financial aid forms. Um, So we kind of walk through the unfolding of that transformation. At first, but then slowly, I'll never forget the day. And for me, that was the day she stood on that stage at that event and announced she was going to, she had been accepted at seven Michigan universities. And she chose Eastern because they had, they were very family friendly. They had family housing there. And she was going to pursue a career in family justice to help fight for other families. And now, so now, thanks to compassionate support, our amazing supporters, what is the happy ever after ending, right? Or even if you don't have the final happy ending, we know that they've progressed. Things are better for them, right? So I want you to use this template and just take a minute or two and think about one person that you serve. Maybe it's a story that you already tell. How could you retell it using this template? Or pick someone else entirely. All right? And then I want to hear from someone who would be willing to walk us through that story. Any questions? The story is everything. All right. Go ahead and start. Raise your hand if you get stuck or just want a little help. All right, I'd like to hear from someone. Who would be willing to share their story using the template? Okay, great. If you'll stand and tell your name, your organization, and then walk us through it. Okay, okay. Uh, My name's Kelly. I work for the Teresa Group, so we... Is it not... Kelly? There There we go. go. Okay. Um, I work for the Teresa Group, so we work with children and families who are living with and affected by HIV um, in the GTA. Um, So this person is one of the first people I met when I started working there last year. Um, So she was married, and her husband, uh, she found out into their marriage, I can't remember how many years, but that her husband was HIV positive, um, and he didn't tell her. Um, and then when he did disclose to her, um, and she, you know, she was ready to accept it, but she was like, okay, we start using condoms and all that kind of stuff. And he refused. Um, and basically for the next two years proceeded to rape her fairly regularly. Um, and, um, she was afraid to find out her own status at that point, um, because she didn't, she didn't know, she didn't really she was new in Canada as well and didn't really know what to do. Um, so, uh, and she already had two children. Um, 
and found out she was pregnant again. And finding out she was pregnant, um, they do HIV tests, and she learned that she was um, also HIV positive. So she had contracted it from her husband. Um, and she didn't know, she had no real understanding about what that would mean for her unborn child, whether um, he would be uh, born positive as well. Um, so, uh, so that's what, and that's when um, she was sent to Sick Kids. Uh, Six Kids has an HIV clinic there, um, and they referred her to the Teresa Group. And um, through that, uh, we run prenatal programs teaching mothers about um, vertical transmission. So how to um, prevent transmission to your child, and that it's you know the reality is, especially in Canada, it's been a really long time since a child was born HIV positive, even if they're born to positive parents, which is really exciting. Um, so these things that she didn't know beforehand. Um, and doo -doo -doo. yeah, at first she was definitely, um, she feared a lot of judgment. She wasn't very open. She came, but didn't really want to speak to anyone or tell her workers, you know, what her reality was, how she'd contracted it. She felt fairly ashamed. Um, and doo -doo -doo. Yeah, yeah. and then slowly she started meeting other people um, through the various support groups and connected with um, other individuals who had really similar stories. Um, and that's when she started opening up and talking to her worker and telling them everything. And she's now um, a volunteer at just about every single age service organization in Toronto that you can find. She acts as a translator for other women who are coming um, and need some help and don't understand. She acts as a, a peer, a friend. She leads some, she facilitates some of our programs. Um, she's absolutely amazing, so that's. Good, good, great, thank you. So a really, really great start. I mean, I think that the key is we use the template, write all the details, and then we edit, 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 right? So, I'm, you know, the question for me was, was it a boy? Was it a girl? Is it, right? And so really taking out all the, making it a story, clear, simple, human. It's, it's a story about, and do we have a name for her? We didn't give her a name. Um, yeah, Oh, sorry, in the moment she, sorry, we had a fundraising event. She did the same, sort of disclosed to everyone. Hadn't even told most of her family that she's positive. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a moment. We'll call her Jennifer. Yeah. So let me tell you the story of Jennifer. I mean, Jennifer was like your next door neighbor. Husband, two beautiful children. She's just the friendliest lady you can imagine. What you don't know about Jennifer is that about two years ago, her, her husband disclosed that he was HIV positive. And it was a, very, a completely scary, terrifying moment for her. Um, as they worked through that, that we didn't talk about, like the dysfunction inside that relationship very briefly. Uh, in fact, he would rape her regularly. Um, she was scared. She was scared, like, I'm going to get this. What about my children? What if we both pass away? Who will take care of them? And then she discovered she was pregnant. And a whole nother level of terror, doubt, fear, and uncertainty came over her. Right? So then transition into, then we met, sick, she met sick kids. Right? And then the, 
the education, the understanding, the testing, that children don't have to be born with HIV, even if both of their parents are, pro- are positive. Thank goodness. So then we move on to the happy ending. But we need to transit. Like, I'm happy to say she's left that relationship with her. Here's my wishful thinking, right? That she le- Okay, good. She left that relationship with, uh, with that abusive husband. She and her three children uh, are now live happily and safely, and she's an advocate for others to help them understand what their options are and HIV education. And I'm happy to say she delivered a six-pound, 12-ounce baby girl named Emily, right? So just practice, practice, practice. Refine, refine, refine. All right. So this is how we pull it all together into the tour. You've got all the pieces. Now the key is pull the thread of everything you've worked on here this morning into a story tour framework. And then, of course, it can be customized for specific audiences or specific amounts of time that maybe a corporate partner gives you. At the end of that tour, exchange business cards so you've got that connection to follow up. And tell them, please, the call to action, please, please, please spread the word. We're not asking for money. We're not recruiting volunteers, unless you are. But essentially, spread the word. Help us uh, get the word out about the amazing work that we're doing so the community, uh, so we won't no longer be the best kept secret. Now, Sick Kids is not the best kept secret. It's, It's out there. But again, whatever that call to action is, tying it back. All right. I thank you. You have all the tools you need to really develop a powerful story. And I'm going to turn it back over to Kimberly to wrap us up. Well, hi, folks. Please uh, remember your session evaluations. And uh, Tammy, thank you so much for your candor and sharing your story and for helping us all create a brand new ending for our beneficiaries and our donors and our causes. All right, everybody. Time for lunch. Thank you.